If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. BitcoinProsperityPodcast.com Bitcoin changes that. It makes it more worth it to pursue new renewable energy projects because you can build the new renewable energy project, use half of it for the city, use half of it for mining. And if the seasons change or if the you know, energy uses of the, of the city changes, switch it back and forth. Cities are not bad. Let's run our cities on like renewable energy. That's awesome. But then when the wind, like when the wind is blowing and the city is already turned on, then switch it over to Bitcoin and start securing like the, you know, decentralized economy so that we don't have to rely on central bank anymore. Welcome to the Bitcoin Prosperity Podcast with your host, Gordon, that's me, and Ferris from CoinCompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our full disclaimer. Visit BitcoinProsperityPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining another episode of Bitcoin Basics Podcast. It is Friday, the... 8th of May at 4.04 p.m. UTC time. So for anyone keeping attention, I'm still in New Zealand, 4 a.m. here on Saturday morning. Gordon, whereabouts are you? And can you introduce our special guest for today, please? Hey, Faris. Yeah, we do have a special guest. But just before we get to that, I'm still on the, the beach, of course. There's no lockdown here. Uh, special announcement. This is our 50th. Bitcoin Basics Podcast. Yeah. So I will edit in some streamers and um, the applause right now. So well done, Faris. And uh, thanks for joining us, Brian. Yeah. Awesome. Um, 50, just is before, 50 is a big deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, I said to Faris, if we get past seven, we're doing really well, because apparently that's the average. Um, <laughs> just before we begin, can you please subscribe, like, our podcast if you're watching this and same if you're listening to this um, via the podcast player. Um, Share it on social media. That kind of helps us out and it keeps our content all ad-free. We believe in open source, open source education. So we don't want to have ads or sponsors or anything of that. So if you can share it, then it becomes popular and then our content gets better. So um, it's a win-win for everyone. So please do that. And last but not least, we have a webinar, free webinar coming up in a couple of weeks. So head across to coincompass.com slash webinar to sign up for that and get some more details. I could go through the proof recording as I usually do, but I think there's one more important stat and the Bitcoin halving is three days, eight hours and 44 minutes, according to bitcoinblockhalf.com. So Brian, thanks for joining us today on our 50th episode. Before we even get started, what are you doing during the Bitcoin halving? So I think like the Bitcoin magazine guys are trying to get like 21 hours worth of streaming just around the clock for that. So I'm probably going to tune into their thing. And again, I mean, smash the thumbs up for those guys and do that. Just echoing what you said. Like, I, I just appreciate everyone that's willing to you know get on YouTube and do the thing and spread information. So try to try to tune in and um, just participate in conversations just like we're doing today. So so I would like honestly celebrate by market buying Bitcoin and and flip around to as many different YouTube channels as you can. That's an awesome idea. Maybe Ferris and I will join in as well. Uh, 
So usually what happens is Faris and I have been following someone for a while or listen to podcasts and stuff like that. But to be honest, Brian, I came across your website, surplusbitcoin.com, which we will, um, I'm sure I'll talk about later. Then I said, oh, this looks interesting. Then I looked at your Twitter and said, this guy's a cool cat. And then I had a look at YouTube and I go, we have to absolutely interview Brian. So without further ado, Brian, who is, who is Brian Harrington? Yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, so Brian Harrington, um, I live in Anaheim, California, and I've been in Bitcoin since about 2015, and I'm here for the revolution. Like, I'm honestly thankful every day that I can wake up, pour my coffee, come to the desk, and talk to guys on YouTube, talk to guys on Zoom, talk to guys on Telegram, um, and and just further this thing, because Bitcoin is non-political money. We're separating the money printing from the politicians. That's why I'm here. And just the game theory of number go up and how it interacts with energy and just everything. That's the reason why there's so many YouTube channels. And that's the reason why the guys and girls that are interested in this are so obsessed about it is because it can be sliced and diced so many different ways. So that's why I'm thankful just for every single person doing this on YouTube, doing this on podcasts. Um, I, Professionally, like I used to work on a lot of political campaigns. You know, I'm a marketing consultant and I, I just like social media. I like media and I like drawing attention to things like attention. Attention is currency and being able to grab it and being able to do something with it and being able to help grow a community of people is a currency and is powerful. And I was doing I realized I was doing that for politicians and the politicians weren't really a part of what I wanted to be a part of. And like, honestly, like this this virus stuff has really like pulled that into focus for me that like there's I'm here in the US there's thousands not exaggerating thousands of city council state assembly county supervisors federal representatives that when push came to shove had no interest in standing up for the rights of private property or small business owners and like that like I have a really big issue with that like that's that's so I'm not I'm not really contributing as much energy to that red team versus blue team game anymore. I honestly am not. Like, I really believe the solution is switching the currency. We, we need to switch off the dollar standard onto the Bitcoin standard. And that's not, and then people can argue about, like, well, when's that going to happen? How's it going to happen? Look, again, slice and dice it however you want. That's the direction. And if you can put 10 bucks a month into Bitcoin, do it. Like, okay, you don't think it's an investment. That's fine. Then it's a political donation. Like, I don't care what you call it. Like, help us move towards a free society. I couldn't agree with you more, Brian. And it's interesting how different people come to Bitcoin from different aspects and walks of life. Um, And as you said, guys, dollar cost average. Don't try and put your house on it and, uh, you know, call the tops and the bottoms or whatever that. Just dollar cost average every month, every week. How are you going to do it? And just get into it. So, uh, Brian, how did you first get into Bitcoin? Did you mine it? What was your experience in buying it? How did you How did you first get started? And what was that sort of light bulb moment? Yeah. So I've come to realize this recently. Like my my dad and I have always just been into doing different stuff online. You know, I've gone to different conferences with him, and we just shoot blogs back and forth. And so yeah, like we we bought just on Coinbase in January 2015. I come to find years later that he had tried Gox and had just never even told me. And so that kind of soured him on it for a while. But then when Coinbase happened and brought, you know, a little bit more legitimacy to it, um, we, we both did it again together. 
And so we've gone through the flows of, you know, being hyper-focused on it, not being hyper-focused on it. And like the last, the last few years for me have been just like really on it all the time. And I've just been kind of feeding, feeding information back up to him. Awesome. So did you buy Bitcoin through Coinbase? Was that your first experience? Yeah. Yeah. So January, 2015 Coinbase. Um, I don't recommend it anymore. I think there's a ton of better on-ramps, like go find a Bitcoin only on-ramp, go find like one that's regionalized specific to you, you know, use BISC, like use BISC, buy non-KYC, figure out how to do it. Like build a local, like build local trusted trading partners, figure out how to do it. Um, that's my message. Like my message to anyone, anyone who doesn't own any SATs, you know, in you're in the US, download Cash App. If you're, and you guys probably know better than me on the different regional ones, um, but if you've been buying on Cash App or Coinbase for a while, like start to like figure out how to go to meetups and figure out how to find local trading partners. Brian, just if you don't mind answering, how yeah. long do you think it took you? How many hours of research from when you go, I hear about Bitcoin to I want to buy it to eventually buying Bitcoin? What was that time period that said you could let me ask you? So to buying the first one, zero. Like it was, oh, this is a cool new app. Like it's cool. Like to me, and that's what I'm kind of coming to find with a lot of people is that, or at least some, a little bit of the new people that I talk to, it's like, just pitch it as an app. Like I, I get too deep down into, I get too deep down into the economics and the second and third order effects and like all these things. And, and that's fine. That's fine. But honestly, I think it's easier to talk about that after they've already bought 20, 20 bucks of it. Like, and so that's the way that I, I try to talk to people about it now is like, look, Postmates is legitimately a good app. Get food delivered to your house. Look, Cash App is legitimately a good app. It's better than Venmo. Just buy it. Like, j- just download it. And, and then, because that's the way I tried Coinbase. Coinbase was just, oh, it's an interesting new thing. Like, I'm, I've, I've just, I feel like people are already primed to just try new things on the internet as long as it's, like, packaged in a nice app. So I think, I think that's fine. Like, leaning into people's willingness to just download apps and try things can be how it is. And, and then, if you stick around, we can talk to you about, hey, like, we're actually changing the world here. But then as far as, like, my getting all the way the economics and, like, all that stuff, like, I've... I'm probably like just a lot of guys here. Like I've listened to thousands of hours of YouTube videos and podcasts and all that stuff. Yeah, no, that's why I bring it up. Because to me, it was three, four hours a day of researching the Bitcoin for several months before I took the plunge. And even when I took the plunge with all that research behind me, it was still a bit of front totally. prospect because this thing is still deregulated. The governments don't like it. And yeah, I do like that you use the word revolution, and unfortunately, it's probably still a misunderstood word. It tends people tend to you know, think it's uh, violence inciting, which it isn't. But um, we've had these revolutions through history: separation of church and state, um, and all, and like the, um, the industrial revolution, which you know brought uh, about the middle class. And this is where we are today with Bitcoin. It is the um, getting away from a kleptocratic society into you no, know, we need to learn how to manage our own money. And I don't think people are realizing just how much damage central banks are causing, especially right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that's why, and you just tell people, just Google the Cantillon effect. Google Cantillon effect. People that get the new supply first benefit more than people at the bottom of the barrel. And, and that's, I, I think it's awesome. I think it is awesome how it can be pitched as a conservative thing and a liberal thing at the same time. Like, look, like Ron Paul and his crew have been talking about this for years. And then also like, this is the message of Occupy Wall Street. Like 
the, the wealth gap is a problem. And, and, and I don't care if that's a conservative talking point or a liberal talking point. And I don't think that's an anti-capitalism talking point. It's a problem that the capitalism in the United States honestly has nothing to do with free markets. It has to do with regulatory capture. That's it. And so and the fact, like this bothers me, but the, the fact that like guys my age to just like sit around on Twitter and throw around the term regulatory arbitrage, like so casually is like, dude, what? Like that, that doesn't make any, what, what does that mean? And why do I need to know what that means? Like either like, bu- like buy and sell goods. Like, do you know, it really is that thing where just some days you do just want to hang it all up and just be a bartender or be like, uh, just own a coffee stand. Like, and if it were that, but you can't do that. You can't just simply own a coffee stand and like stay even with inflation. You can't just buy and sell something and stay even. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get really annoyed with that too, Brian. People are like, just move to another state, just move to another country as if that is something you can easily do tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but so, sorry, to, uh, sorry to get off our uh, politics because Ferris and I yeah. could talk about geopolitics and whatever uh, till the cows come home. Um, I really liked one of your videos, how you mentioned Bitcoin, like kind of like two kinds of Bitcoin. There's the KYC and Bitcoin, and then there's non-KYC and Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And I promise listeners and watchers, this is the last time I'll plug it, but Faris and I are running a free uh, webinar on how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoin. And we will go through some of the um, differences between the different exchanges, KYC exchanges. And Brian mentioned BISC, which is a program that you can use. A lot of people are probably familiar with HODL, HODL and, and local Bitcoin. So we go through all that. Um, and uh, we won't go down the rabbit hole of coin journals or lots of stuff. But I think that's really important that, you know, let's not get too ideological. But yeah, when you are buying Bitcoin, uh, there's a world of difference between buying Bitcoin on a BISC or a Binance or some of that. So guys, that is super, super important to, um, to realize. So... Um, we actually had you on to talk about mining. This is, this is awesome. Um, we've talked about mining before, Brian, but, uh, Faris and I probably may go down many rabbit holes. Um, so it's always good to have someone else explain something. Yeah. So how about a quick refresher? Uh, what is Bitcoin mining and what, why do we need it? Yeah. So just mining is the process of verifying transactions. So in the legacy system, if I bank of America, you know, and Gordon has Wells Fargo, we send the transaction back and forth and it's, you know, it's Wells Fargo and bank of America servers talking to each other. We have to pay fees and because they have to keep their buildings running and their servers running and all those things running. And so it's verifying, you know, one ledger on this side, one ledger on the other side. Bitcoin, as like we all know, is a single ledger that's moved to everybody's node. Mining is just the process of the computers verifying that double spends aren't happening and that the coins are moving from you know, one address to another address. Um, and the reason why miners are incentivized to do that is because, so blocks of transactions are released every 10 minutes and then the miners are incentivized. So miners are just specialized computers. Just whenever you hear the word miners, it's just a computer. Um, and they're incentivized to spend their electricity and spend their resources to be attached to the network because every 10 minutes there's a block reward. The block reward, there's two parts of the block reward. One part is the block subsidy, which are new coins moving into the supply. And the other part is the transaction fees. And so that, then that gets into why the halving is so important because the halving is a, 
um, event that happens every four years where the block subsidy gets cut in half. So the new supply of new coins gets cut in half. But the transaction fees do not get cut in half. The amount of coins in your wallet do not get cut in half. Bitcoin is not stocks. It's not a stock split. Bitcoin is money. So the coins in your wallet, coins under your control, they are what they are. And so the having is about the new supply and mining is about verifying transactions moving from one person to another person. So why can't we verify those transactions in a, I don't know, energy efficient fashion? So I would argue that, so I would argue that it is an energy efficient like fashion. And I would argue that like, so I have, I had the question written down on my side too. Like they, the network can work with any amount of miners. We don't need, when you see some of these stats about, oh man, like the electricity usage compared to this country or this country, or like, this is unsustainable. Like what you need to understand about Bitcoin, and, and, and this is a good reminder for me and just everyone, like Bitcoin is open source software. Like so often when we talk about Bitcoin, like on these podcasts and things we do, like even look where we enjoyed going. Like I love talking about the politics of it. And I love talking about the macroeconomics of it and all that stuff. And, and, and that's a totally like, rabbit hole, big conversation that can happen. But bringing it back, Bitcoin is open source software. And the software can work at any level of adoption, at any level of miners being plugged into it. That's the beauty of the whole thing. And so the difficulty adjustment will move up or down based on how many miners are work, based on how many computers are securing the network, and the blocks and the transactions will still be released every 10 minutes. That's what's beautiful about it. And so it's not that Bitcoin needs massive amounts of electricity. It's that incentive-wise, people are going to buy this hardware and are going to plug it into this network because Bitcoin is a thing. This is, this is what I've been working on and this is the kind of conversations that I'm trying to educate people with you know, my site. Bitcoin is the electricity buyer of last resort. Entrepreneurs are going to do this because the network has proven itself. Bitcoin has been around for 11 years now. It's a... It, it's, you know, as close to being mainstream without being mainstream as like you can get. It, it truly is just in, in the minds of tons of people, but the information asymmetry is still there. And so Bitcoin does not need massive amounts of electricity, but it is going to consume all the wasted energy potentially in the world because of, you know, the game theory behind it. Brian, that was an excellent explanation of mining. I'm actually going to borrow that word for word, if you don't mind, because um, yeah, what we like to do is you know take this complex word of Bitcoin and explain it you know succinctly and simply to people. And mining's one I've struggled with to narrow down. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah. gonna borrow that to you because that was really well awesome. done. Awesome. Um, um, yeah, the whole criticism of Bitcoin's electricity to me is the one where I probably get a motive on. It's such a lazy argument to me. Um, when you think of what the world is using for air conditioners, for example, like you know, the amount of power that goes into air conditioners and uh, banks that leave lights on at night in these tall skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how people are criticizing those decisions, but you want to criticize Bitcoin. Long term, do you think that we might actually have some governments, you know, thinking at the moment we've got Venezuela, Argentina, who, you know, inflation's at 36%. Do you think we might get to a position where they go, you know what, why are we wasting our time with our own national currency? Let's just move over to Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I think it makes sense. And I think that more like, it's like, on the one hand, I could be like, yeah, like that's going to happen. Like, absolutely. You know, because I've heard just so many other people say on podcasts, but then just breaking it down, break it down, break it down to the question. Like if you are that world leader, or if you are like, I've worked on political campaigns, like I've been, you know, a paid person, like for these decision makers, you pitch ideas. Sometimes they're accepted. Sometimes they're not accepted. Like the crazy thing about the truly crazy thing about Bitcoin is more and more people are watching videos and podcasts and learning about it every single day. And the game theory isn't breaking. The game theory isn't breaking. And politics and like macroeconomics, you know, is game theory. And so, yeah, if like true, like truthfully, math wise, yes, if a country realizes, hey, this is not working. We do have an abundance of XYZ resource that can be moved into electricity, that can be, you know, plugged into computers that mine Bitcoin. And then you're telling me that we can get around sanctions with a free market currency like that, that, that is in the world now. That idea is not going back in the box. And the fact that we are, it's not us, like, it's not just us three talking about this on the internet today. Like hundreds, like thousands of other people on the internet are talking about that today. And that's amazing to me. Well, an official in the Iranian government mentioned cryptocurrencies as a way of avoiding sanctions. Uh, so one thing on Bitcoin mining, so let's say you, you are a government or a private enterprise, you want to get into Bitcoin mining now. And I know a lot of the arguments would be all the, the easy money Bitcoin's been done. You should have been mining years ago. With the halving coming up, do you think it will decentivize miners or will there still be enough incentive for them to make a decent profit just from the transactions? So I think that, so the subsidy, the subsidy is going to be a large part of it for the next, let's just call it 10 years um, and potentially beyond that. The subsidy, because the subsidy is the majority of the reward that you're getting. And so, yes, I think people are inside because the way that I look, the way that I look at the, like, is mining profitable question is always on the energy side. I just think it's, if, if you can get, if you have, like the people that hold the power are the energy producers and, and a few middlemen along the way, but not really because the information is publicly available and that will continue to get squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. So like the, the people that hold the power to, to decide whether they want to participate in this or not are the energy providers because capital is widely accessible. You know, the actual equipment is pretty widely acceptable. The information is getting more and more out there every day. And if you're an energy producer in like, we'll just take natural gas. Like, so you can either sell natural gas to the pipeline for an X rate, or you can turn it into electricity behind the meter on your own property and mine Bitcoin with it. And then do your own economics on how much you hold in Bitcoin and how much you hold in, you know, a different currency. Like that game theory works and that game theory is going to happen on lots of small, small and big energy producers um, all the time. I think from now on going, it's just truly, it's a, it's a world commodity that trades 24, seven, three, six, five. And all you need to start being a producer of it is electricity. Yeah, it's, it's like Faris, I get really annoyed with these arguments because it's like, it's not the uh, use of electricity that is a bad thing because everyone uses electricity. You know, I've got lights on here and whatnot. Um, you know, we're not all living outside with mosquitoes in tents and 
uh, walking around with driving cars and whatnot. It's where we get that energy from we, is, a, is a different debate. So um, just going to your business, Brian, surplus uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, are the um, energy producers, for example, you mentioned natural gas, are they mining Bitcoin uh, on their own property or are they sort of some project or are there, are there miners coming in and putting equipment into their facility? So, so all of the above, like lots of, I mean, different, different arrangements are, you know, happening. And that was the whole point of, you know, me building surplus Bitcoin, you know, was to just help energy producers get connected with miners. So it's, it's, it's any and all of the above because it's who, it's who wants to put up the capital and who wants to hold the currency risk. If you as the energy producer, you know, go invest your time and become convinced on Bitcoin and are willing to hold the currency risk and willing to go long on the equipment and long on the currency. That's great. Own the whole thing end to end. And honestly, I mean, that's what I would suggest. Own like, you know, pay a consultant, pay a consultant to connect you with the right people to build your stuff and then own the whole thing end to end. That's legitimately the, the first thing I try to steer ever. Everyone who sends me an inbound at surplus Bitcoin, that's the first thing I tell them. Like, look, pay a consultant, own the whole thing end to end. Like, but if you want to do it different, that's fine. We can, we can, you know, structure contracts in any way. If you want to just sell your, if, if, if this changes your, you know, access to, because electricity markets are so like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an like energy expert. Like the, the electricity markets, like I would have to go, I would have to go spend thousands of hours the same way I've like tried to learn about Bitcoin on learning, you know, all the ins and outs of how to sell electricity to the open market. Like, and that's so crazy that it has to be that complicated. Like, and that's why Bitcoin mining behind the fence can make anything like can just change your economics because, okay, that's fine. You guys want to complicate the market for electricity. That's fine. We'll keep it in like, we'll keep all our energy on this property then and, you know, digital pipeline it into whatever we want now. That's the reality. And so that's why it's like my pitch is because a market that I'm trying to go after right now too is and I, I mean, I'm welcome to everyone's help on this. Like anyone can send me an email. My email's at surplus Bitcoin um, is like municipalities. Like there's, there's public projects. There's public projects that have built solar panels and built wind farms. And no one's really talking to them because Bitcoin, because, you know, Bitcoin, we have this, you know, libertarian, uh, you know, just total bent of like, we are very frustrated with wasted public works projects and whatever, which is all true. But if the equipment's sitting there, I mean, let's put it to use like curtailed. So curtailed solar, clipped solar, curtailed wind. If the wind is blowing and the batteries are full and the lights are on at the city or they don't need them right now, got to reroute it to the miners. Like it really is just, it, it, it sounds oversimplified and there's hiccups and you got to figure out what happens at their site and you know, whatever, like that can all be overcome. That can all be overcome. And so if you're a small independent, you know, energy producer, just, I, I just would say, look at it. Like, I honestly believe, because if you can turn a zero, but the whole thing with like flared gas, if you can turn flared gas, if you can turn a zero into a more than zero, that's like what being an entrepreneur is. Do you want to learn how to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins? Coincompass.com is running a free two-hour webinar on Sunday, 31st of May. To register and for more details, visit coincompass.com forward slash webinar. Um, yes, I think with America, um, obviously you've got your state jurisdictions and you've got your federal one. And from what, just being in New Zealand where it's very different, you know, we basically got a population of one, of half of LA here in the whole country. 
So from what I'm gauging just from being on your side of the world is that you have some states that are now basically saying, okay, blockchain and Bitcoin are the future. We want to start incentivizing this. We actually want to start creating an industry and jobs. But from the federal level, they're like, no, this thing is a threat to you know, the US dollar, the petrodollar system. So is that, am I accurate in seeing it that way? You've got the, the states, some states want to do something with it and the federal level is just trying to clamp down on it. I, directionally, that maybe that's true. I don't, I don't frame it like that. I don't think, I think at the federal level, they aren't paying attention to it. I just think because of, because of just, I mean, vi- I mean the virus now most recently, but also just the total market cap being where it is. I don't think that it gets that much attention paid to it. Um, and I also believe, I kind of agree with the theory that the whole like altcoins and like enterprise blockchain stuff really kind of <laughs> confused, like just everyone involved with government at all, that they don't, they don't know that there's a difference between Bitcoin or any of this other stuff. Like they, they truly believe that, you know, Facebook, Libra or a central bank cryptocurrency will just, it will, they, I think they they truly believe that those things will win the market. Like they, that the market, you know, because everyone claims to be free markets. And so they're like, oh yeah, like that's fine. Like the, yeah, some crazy people made Bitcoin, but like Libra, Libra is, you know, that's the MySpace. Libra is better. So people are just going to go with Libra anyways. I just think that like, we know if, if you just study the history of money, like I just don't see, I don't see that happening. And, and so I understand there's people that do but that's fine. And like, honestly, that disagreement continues to like provide cover for Bitcoin to continue like growing and growing. So that's why things happening at the federal level, federal at the state level, there one, the only, at the state level, the only example that comes to my head is the state of Wyoming. Like the state of Wyoming is, has been truly like their, their, uh, like follow Tyler Lindholm on Twitter. One of their um, state representatives is, is just truly focused on, creating free laws like the just getting getting rid of impediments to you know using free money like that's what it seems like from up there and so that that's cool and that's refreshing to me okay cool yeah because it's something that to me living in new zealand where 80 percent of new zealand's electricity is hydropower so very, very clean. And to me, it's like, how are we not mining Bitcoin here on a huge level when, you know, it, it's such where you have clean energy? Yeah. I think it's just new. I, I think it's just new. Like, it's just so hard to get, you know, bureaucracies to adopt innovation. Like, if, you, if we just come at this from pure, because this is what I'm doing over on the public affairs side is just trying to paint it as a true, like, look, this is a technological innovation. Like this is me putting, put on the suit for a minute. Look, this technological innovation has happened. Like Bitcoin is a world trading currency, but you don't need to know or care about Bitcoin. Like the market for this commodity has changed energy markets. So if you have wasted or curtailed energy or selling it for less than the rate that you can get to mine this, then we can increase your profit margins. So if you're just, if you're a city, if you're a small city in the state of California and, you know, coronavirus has impacted your, you know, revenue as a city, you know, and your pensions are coming the other way or, or whatever, like just all the issues with small cities, 
But for whatever reason, seven years ago, you spent $40 million on solar panels that now are only running at 50% capacity because the economics of clean energy, you know, can't pipe it to the city in a like economical way. And then, okay, for XYZ capital investment, put these small modular data centers here, you know, sign a contract with a company that will take private, public private partnership that will pay you in fiat and, you know, fix the margins of your city. Like that, that's kind of more of my like suit, like in the box, like, look, this, this is a technology thing that is happening. Here is how you can help the margins of your municipality. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And that's something where it makes a lot of sense. They'd be making money from it, but I can see why it'd be a slow, frustrating grind from your end as well. Totally, totally. But it's exciting. I mean, because then, because, you know, one of, one of the little things in like my head is, you know, this is one step closer to getting Bitcoin on the balance sheet of a municipality. And that's positive. That, like, I truly believe this isn't, and, and this is where I kind of combat the whole, you know, well, Brian's just crazy libertarian. You know, he wants to like do all this stuff. Like, no, like this is truly positive. Like if, if you're, if you're an elected politician and you, you know, are holding up to your mandate and truly trying to advance society and truly trying to help your citizens, look, learn why Bitcoin's better money learn how it affects energy markets, you know, put public resources to work profitably to increase that. And then more and more look at holding this currency instead of this currency and, and, and just have two sides of the balance sheet. The same way I talk about having two sides of, you know, my personal balance sheet. And this is, it's like the same thing I can do for personal finance. And the same thing I love talking to, you know, couples and friends about is like, look, we live in a two currency society now. I have already pegged my, I've already pegged myself out 20, like 24, seven, three, six, five. You can peg yourself out. You don't have to live under cronyism. Do you find Brian that in these conversations with people, and this is more of an American centric question that would people feel, um, unpatriotic by moving on the Bitcoin? So I've, I've seen that a few times, not, it's not widely said, but I was on a channel the other day where, you know, I'm just doing, doing my normal talk. And he goes, well, so you don't trust the, you know, faith and credit of the United States government? And I'm like, I'm like dude, you said that. I did not say that. <laughs> I, and then that's where you pivot to the whole, look, like, I'm a patriot. Like I'm, like, I'm a registered Republican. Like, I am a conservative. Like, I have the American flag in my office. Like, this, I truly believe, like, this is, like, a back to founding fathers principles, like, what are you guys doing? Like the, the way that you, you know, bastardized this whole thing is not the point of this. And so I, like me, I'm holding the line on Liberty right here from my house. That's why I have no problem. Like, that's why I, I 100% respect cypherpunks and, you know, li like truly like Liberty fighting, privacy fighting computer developers. Like I truly appreciate like their work and what they do. And I understand their reason for needing to like stay anonymous and stay pseudonymous. I'm like trying to tackle this from the other side, looking like, like, look, I like, my name is Brian Harrington. I live in Anaheim, California. Like I'm elected to the Orange County Republican Central Committee. I believe Bitcoin is a good move for the United States, period. Like that's, that's, that's what I think is like cool about the whole thing too, is that no, I truly believe it's like a very American thing. Uh, people forget that the founding fathers were actually considered terrorists by the um, English Empire. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think about that a lot. I mean, this, this thing truly like this, the virus has like brought that back into focus for me. I just think like inside the United States of America, politicians voted to tell an entrepreneur, you are not allowed to take, take the key to an office that you pay a lease on or own that building, turn the key, walk inside and perform your business for money. The United, the United States, city council and county council and congressmen across the United States made that decision. The virus did not make that decision. Bitcoin did not make that decision. Like elected people made that decision. And, and so me as an elected person and choosing to make a different decision. Like, I'm not going to hold 100% of your currency that is the fuel for that kind of tyranny. I'm going to hold a portion of my wealth in a different currency. Well, at the very least, they're breaking a social contract and uh, also uh, it's unconstitutional. I kind of enjoy it from a non-US point of view. I do enjoy all the the, uh, civil disobedience and I kind of wonder that that should spread towards the rest of the world. But yeah, I think you're right, Brian. Like you know, some, as some Bitcoiners were kind of like, you know, oh, it's, it's this or nothing. It's the government or anarchy or it's this and that. And it's like, look, you still have to pay your rent. You still have to pay your taxes. You know, you're always going to deal with separate currencies. So I think, you know, for example, you pay your taxes in US dollars, you probably pay your rent in US dollars. But for the other systems and for the other goods and services, you don't have to go in the street and demonstrate and hold up placards you can just opt out. And that's, I know it's a, I know it's a meme and everyone says that with Bitcoin, but right. it truly is an opt out. You don't, it, there doesn't need to be a violent revolution. You can just say, look, I'm not going to deal in this currency. I'm just not going to use US dollars totally. for these goods and services. I'm going to deal in Bitcoin. So. Well, and that's, and I think it's getting easier every day. Like, because, because here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think is truly within grasp. So BlockFi, American company, is going to come out with a Bitcoin back rewards card. Okay. So that'll happen in 2021. I, I have no idea if this is on their roadmap, but if, if I was, you know, gearing up for it, I would say like, that's only, then there's only one pivot to paying the bill in Bitcoin debt. Because if you're already paying me rewards points in Bitcoin, that's fine. Okay, let's pivot. And, you know, one year after that, let me settle the bill in Bitcoin. Okay, because what are, because what are my two biggest bills every month? My mortgage and my credit card bill. I paid my car off, paid, like, so there's two things. There's two things I buy every, I pay every month, mortgage and credit card bill. Okay. If that company lets me settle my credit card bill, then there's only one left, okay? That's it. There's only, there's only one left to fully upping my percentage from USD into Bitcoin. And then also the reason like why your webinar is so important and teaching people how to buy non-KYC is so important because we're going to build a circular economy of Bitcoiners. We're annexing ourselves in place. It truly is like how the Amish live under their own rules and the Native Americans live under their own rules. We are going to annex ourselves in place and have a non-KYC Bitcoin economy for goods and services. The same way cash operates, cash operates as a non-KYC circular economy. I can go out in Anaheim right now and buy tacos for cash and and the government is not involved in that transaction. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. That's what Bitcoin is. Yeah, it's just getting into that circular economy is a real friction. I'm, I'm on the fence about BlockFi. I understand the, the, the uh, benefits of it, yeah. but not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So um, totally. I'm kind of like, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. That's, 
I keep in like the tension is always positive. Like there mu- must have to be that tension. What I'm, and I'm thankful that other companies are popping up to challenge them and hold them accountable and do that. Absolutely. Um, what I do like, I do like that there are American companies popping up where you can post uh, your Bitcoin as collateral to get fiat loans also, because I think that's going to be a big, as we all surf on this transition period, just the more options, the better. And the more understanding of how to divvy up where you're holding your coins, where you're holding your fiat. And because that's a new, that's another thing too. Like I never, you don't grow up understanding that not all dollars are equal. Like the dollar, the dollar in your wallet is not the same as the dollar in your bank. It's not the same as, you know, just anything else. Just all the, here's another thing too. This is a completely like KYC laws hurt poor people, like disproportionately hurt poor people. Like you want to talk about charity if your friend needs help with their car payment, needs help with their mortgage payment, I'm not allowed to walk into Bank of America and deposit cash in their account. Because who, who deals in cash? The less fortunate in, the, in this country. And like that, so I have an issue with that. So anyone that wants to come at me saying, you know, Brian's championing, you know, non-KYC. Yeah, I am. Because I think it's positive for, and I think it, because I think the laws currently disproportionately affect less fortunate people. Oh, absolutely. There's a huge class discrimination there. Um, how can someone sign up for, for BlockFi, for example, without, uh, you know, I don't know, a passport or something like that. But yeah. just going back to that, Brian, could you go through, because a lot of our audience, and I don't want to dumb it down for them, because we have explained the basics of Bitcoin, oh. but we've been sort of beating this drum of, you know, not your keys, not your coins. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not saying that's not a good use case, because I, I do think BlockFi actually has a good service, and I'm potentially going to try them myself. Could you just go in, how does that BlockFi lending, that Bitcoin lending differ from, you know, storing your coins in a hardware wallet or a Casa or a multi-sig wallet? Totally. So what not your keys, not your coins means is Bitcoin is a bearer asset. There's no, like, break down even more without any buzzwords. Like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the money. Bitcoin is the value. When the $100 bill in your wallet, when you lose that, you can't call the bank. You you can't call the bank and say, "Hey, can you send me another one?" Because that is the money. When you lose your credit card, what do you do? You call the bank and you say, "Hey, can you turn off that piece of plastic that does the lending, does the whatever, so that no one else can access it?" Or even then, if a fraudulent transaction happens, what do they do? They pull it back. Pull it back. Bitcoin is not that. Bitcoin cannot be pulled back. So, if you choose to give your Bitcoin to someone else for a return or for them to do whatever they want, want with it, hold it, keep it safe, lend it out for you. There is a risk in that. This this is what banking was supposed to be. Like this was what banking is not, banking is not bad. Even, you know, like even fractional reserve banking, like is not bad per se, like lending and borrowing is not bad. That's a healthy thing. That's a positive thing. If someone has a lot of capital and someone else has an idea, the exchange of those two things is good. That has produced like tons of great things for the world. What's bad is manipulating the total supply and yanking the rug out from everyone. That's what's bad. And so that's why for Bitcoin, that's, but that's why 
because Bitcoiners are so radical about this pulling, where we are all hammering at the central bank that's pulling the rug out from everyone. It, a little of that, bleed, and because there's been so many poor exchanges that have lost liquidity and lost people's coins, that's why you hear that so much in the Bitcoin community from people that have held coins for a long time is, is no, don't trust anyone. Everyone's a scammer, which is true. Like be, be overly cautious. Like the more, just up your overly cautiousness because this is not like the legacy system. This is truly different. And so learn how it's different than the legacy system. Get like get radical on that and understand how it's different. Bitcoin is the money. Get comfortable moving it back and forth between your own wallets under your own control. Then, then, you know, if you feel good about putting some percentage of your you know, stack with a company or with different kinds of services, then like, I think that makes sense. And I, and I think I think before you get to a place like BlockFi, I do think like multi-sig services like Casa, I think are really powerful. I think those are really good. Like their, their software is good. And the way, the way that they teach you how multiple keys work and then they hold a backup key so they can't access the funds. You have full control they have a backup and the way that they're the way that they have um just the inheritance inheritance system and stuff and they like they're so skilled at talking to your attorney talking to your older relatives other relatives whatever like that makes me really excited and really just proud about like this isn't a joke it's not a joke this is a real like i i list this on my personal balance sheet every month when i do my finances this is not a lottery ticket this is this is money and is growing. Um, Brian, I love how you brought up the um, poor use cash because they just can't access banks these days, and half the world's adult population is on the bank. And we've spoken about this um, on this podcast before about microfinance and micro lending, mm-hmm. and how that alone is what really has contributed to a lot of the world's underprivileged coming out of poverty. Yeah. Do you see a role for Bitcoin in this, in this microfinance world? Yeah. So I think um, there's been a lot of good, a lot of good podcasts like about this recently. If um, trying to think of them off the top of my head, if you Google, what is it? I think it's, open money or something, or there's, there's a few journalists, like, and one of them was just on Tales from the Crypt, uh, Alborg. There's, there's a bunch of good journalists, like, talking about this, and they talk about how Bitcoin is being used as a um, rail right now to move money around and move it in and out of different things and help, and help people, you know, live in dual and triple currency world to mm-hmm. pay their bills, to start businesses, to do that. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I see that happening. And, and, and that makes me, that makes me excited to like be someone who holds Bitcoin also, because I want to be, you know, a entrepreneur that can do that for others in the future because the dollar the dollar already at this is I think this is like grounding grounding for bitcoiners also like the dollar already does that also the dollar because the dollar is strong compared like like look I last weekend I was out on the street you know yelling about how the dollar is broken and like bitcoin is the future because it is but 
is the dollar strong compared to all the other world currencies right now? And is the dollar eating the world right now? And like all these other smaller countries are being dollarized because people are fleeing to dollars. Yes. Like that's happening. Like also like is, is a entrepreneur in a different country able to sustain the volatility of Bitcoin currently? Probably not. Like probably not. And, 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 but, but does that mean the whole thing isn't working? No. Like the, the, the thing is happening. And so if Bitcoin can help people get dollars right now so that they can be a better entrepreneur, I think that's awesome. I think that's great. And I think, so I, I, that does not bother me, but I think it is good. I think it is grounding for Bitcoiners to understand that like, look, like it, it's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not, but like, it's not close. Like it's not, it's not, it's not happening instantly. And so don't hold people's feet to this, like, especially around the world. Like I, I, I totally understand even the way that I've been talking to you guys is like very U S centric. Like I, I have like a very U S centric like view. So I don't, I don't want people to come across like what I say and just mean like, Oh dang. Like if you're not, you know, holding the, holding Bitcoin the way that Brian's holding Bitcoin, you're doing it wrong. No, no. Like the, Bitcoin is software. If you yeah. can use it to create freedom in your life, that I'm very excited about that. Very excited about that. Bitcoin is open source software. And it's a tool for freedom. Yeah, that's one thing we have to be aware of because like a lot of the apps that you get to use in the States, they're only available in the States, unfortunately. Totally. And that's, and so help me learn on that. Like that's, that's honestly an open call for, for you guys. Anyone that's like watching this, you know, like email me, like email me and let me know what the top, what the top apps, like give me the stack in your country so that I'll, so that I can backlink it truly. Like I, I have a couple of different sites. Like I, I blog at brianharrington.org also. Um, and I, I talk to other people just, just like the way that you guys are doing, you know, and you have your Bitcoin 101 backlink. Like I, I want to do that. So if you're in whatever country, you know, send me what your stack is and I'll backlink it. Cool. I couldn't agree with you more, Brian. And uh, no, it's good. I mean, yeah, of course, your, your, your views are US centric and Faris and I are uh, from where we are. And um, I don't think Bitcoin needs to fix everything today. I get uh, sometimes I get frustrated with stuff and you have to sit back and think, look, Bitcoin is not going to replace anything. And, and you know what? It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. Well, it's been around for, you know, 13 years. Why haven't we overtaken the US dollar yet? And it's like, one, it doesn't need to do that. But secondly, it'd be complimentary. And you're talking, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts in how they're using Bitcoin in Africa. And it's actually not in the adoption either. It's not buying some of the Bitcoin. It could be going from one country's currency through Bitcoin to another country's currency. And that's a use case, you know, instead of using Western Union or PayPal or whatever it is, that's totally. a legitimate use case for Bitcoin. Yep. Okay, it's not a, a medium exchange, it's not a unit account yet, but it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. But uh, when, you, when, you, when you were mentioning before about the you know, reality and stock market stuff of like that, I wonder if people are sort of slowly starting to wake up. They see the stock market go absolutely crazy they see the money printer go brr and all this quantitative easing right and yet i think there was a screenshot on cnnbc you got the stock market on one side but then in the background there was a interstitial that said you know record unemployment it's like hang on those those two things are, are completely at odds at each other so you know maybe people are slowly waking up totally and and look whatever people are using bitcoin for today they're still downloading the wallet on their phone they're still getting, they're still running through it. And so the infrastructure is there. The knowledge, the, the mental human knowledge of, hey, like this is a new thing. The reality is changing, like is there. That, and, and that's the thing that can't be taken away. 
a, a government can't take that away. A new, a new podcast that says that Bitcoin's dead can't take that away. Like the, someone watched it happen in their life. And, that, and that's why I write people. One guy wrote me this morning on Twitter and was like, oh, like, you know, if you have to market it, it's not going to work. I'm like, that's all good, man. Like, it just doesn't, that's fine. And, and we've all, and we've all experienced that in different ways. Like, look, like this, you can't tell me that this isn't affecting my life because it is. Like, I just met two, I just met two new guys in the world that are like actively championing liberty the same way that I'm championing liberty. That like, that's amazing. Yeah. The wrong question is what have you learned about Bitcoin? It's no, actually, what is, how has Bitcoin changed me? Uh, we would actually love to, because Ferris and I were actually talking about a separate podcast because we talk a lot about Bitcoin and investing yeah. and Bitcoin basics, but we'd love to have a sort of a more non-Bitcoin podcast and uh, you would definitely be one of our first guests on. Um, so without, because uh, I know uh, we've gone on for a little bit, let, let me ask one more question just about Bitcoin mining. Yeah. And going back to some of the FUD, you know, you talk about how Bitcoin's, you know, killing the world and uh, babies are dying and rainforests are completely being destroyed. One of the arguments, especially from other crypto people, is like, well, why do you need proof of work? Why can't you use proof of stake? Proof of stake, no mining, problem solved. So my answer to that is because proof of stake does not solve what I'm trying to solve. Like, I'm trying to combat seniorage. Like, I'm trying to combat the Cantelan effect. And so if you build your system on proof of stake or of the current holders get paid XYZ percentage compared to new stakers, like I have a philosophical issue with that. Like that's why I showed up today and that's why I show up every day to talk about Bitcoin is because I have a philosophical issue with that. And so it's, to me, it's just a non-starter. Like I can't even, I can't even come at that from a computer science perspective or whatever percentage perspective because it's a non-starter for me. So just for those, perhaps we've even got some new listeners. There are only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. You can't do what the Federal Reserve is doing at the moment or probably the central bank in your, your country and print money infinitum. There is only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoins. And well, what about all these Bitcoin forks and copies and stuff like that? Well, you know what? If someone wants to say, we're going to double it, we're going to have 42 million Bitcoins, fine. You go off and that copycat coin and guess what? No one's going to join that coin. So Bitcoin is here for the long term. It's had so many attacks so far. And, um, you know, you, we can talk about a million amazing things about Bitcoin. But for me, it's the guarantee that there will only be 21 million Bitcoins. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's, that's, if one, that's the one sentence for me too. Because that's completely contrary to everything else that how the world operates right now. And so clinging to that one thing, that's it. If that like and, and that and I think that's helpful for people. If people are like, well, you know, like what would you know, what would convince you to like, you know, leave or like stop talking about it? Like the hard cap breaking, period. Like that's it. Because that that's why I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just, just, uh, just to follow up that very last point, uh, when we talked about proof of work, we've talked about that before many times, so I'm not going to go into that, but just like you see uh, a pyramid or a castle outside, there's actually been labor. Someone has spent the time and the money. You can't fake that. So in the digital world, we have the opposite problem. You can easily copy MP3s or digital files infinitum. So that's the, the solution. That's the ingenious of Satoshi in that, he solved that digital scarcity problem with proof of work. So you've got 5,000 other altcoins saying, we don't need proof of work. We have this thing called proof of stake. 
which means we can save the world. We don't have to do any mining. There's no energy consumption, but we're not going to go into technicals that, but that is flawed. The game theory simply doesn't work. And basically, as Brian said, the person who has the most amount of coins can actually dictate all the decisions in that system. It's kind of like instead of having one person, one vote in a democracy, the more money you have, the more votes you can buy, which I guess that's kind of how like politics works anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. To hit and like, I guess another thing on the energy thing is in proof of proof of work, like proof of work is going to make renewable energy more profitable than it is right now. It, it truly is changing the economics of it because, you know, on a super, super basic level, the reason why it's tough for renewable energy to, you know, take off with adoption is because the amount of capital expense required to build the windmills and build the solar panels and build, you know, the uh, water turbines or just anything compared to, or even, even natural gas, natural gas pipelines to get the energy to where it needs to go. And the, 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 how to sell energy, the users have to show up at the same time as the producers that makes it hard. The market for that is hard. So the very fact that, and then, you know, in battery technology, like is, is not there, is not economical to be able to get there, get that energy, move it to where it goes. Bitcoin changes that. It makes it more worth it to pursue new renewable energy projects because you can build the new re- renewable energy project, use half of it for the city, use half of it for mining. And if the seasons change or if the you know, energy uses of the, of the city changes, switch it back and forth. Cities are not bad. Let's run our cities on uh, like renewable energy. That's awesome. But then when the wind, like when the wind is blowing and the city's already turned on, then switch it over to Bitcoin and start securing like the you know decentralized economy so that we don't have to rely on central bank anymore. Brian, that's crazy talk. You're talking that Bitcoin's not going to actually kill the planet, but Bitcoin yeah. is actually yeah. going to advance renewable energy technology. Yeah. Yeah. Truly, that's, like Bitcoin, in one sentence, like Bitcoin does not waste energy. Bitcoin uses wasted energy. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, Faris, do you have any questions? No, that, that is revolutionary. And like, um, yeah, we had to look at Brian's website and I was like, well, this is fascinating. It's something I want to go into a lot more detail myself to find out. And Brian, we'd love to have you on the show again and, and talk about it some more detail. Yeah. No, for sure, guys. I appreciate Like, thank you for making 50 episodes. Like, thanks for putting stuff on YouTube, honestly. Like, I, I learned everything I know about Bitcoin, like, from YouTube and podcasts. And so if you're watching this and, you know, this is only your, you know, third time watching anybody on YouTube, like, just keep watching. Like, honestly, keep watching. Challenge what they're saying. And, and get on Twitter afterwards. Like, get on Twitter afterwards. Talk to the people. Like, I'm, I'm a real person. Like, you can send me an email, surplus Bitcoin. You can tweet me. It's, like, at Brain Harrington. These guys, like, I'm going to tweet this video out and tag these guys. That's what we're doing. We're all showing up to the internet and talking together about how this thing is advancing. And so the, the true call to action is, like, join us. Join us. Well, thank you, Brian. We appreciate that very much. Thanks, Brian. Um, okay. Let's leave with a question, a practical question. If someone is uh, thinking of buying some Bitcoin right now, what's your go-to? What, what would you advise them to do? Yeah. So in and the U.S., uh, cash out. Like just, if you're in the U S you have your smartphone, download cash app. Uh, you can go, I mean, if you use the ref link at surplusbitcoin.com, you'll get five bucks, throw it into sats. And like, that truly is like, just get started. Like you can match your, if you, if you have no sats today, go to surplusbitcoin.com, download cash app, 
match your first five bucks into Bitcoin. So for us, no, I've heard of Cash App, but I don't know how it works. Like, yeah. is that linked to your bank account? How does that work? Yeah, you throw your debit. Yeah, throw your debit card on there. Yeah. Um, if you're so, I definitely think yeah. If you're not like, I can just throw out all the sites. Like you said, go to Hoddle Hoddle, go to Bisk. For you know, if you're if you Google Coinbase, see if it's working in your jurisdiction. Try it. Um, honestly, like BlockFi, I know how we talked about BlockFi. BlockFi is in like 120 countries and they do allow wires now. I don't, I don't know if they have international wires, but I, but I know that they're like building. And so even, even for BlockFi, if you don't want to use their interest account, that's fine. Like check out their website, see if they're in their jurisdiction. I've got a link to them at surplusbitcoin.com too. See if they accept wires, get the coins and get off. Like that's, that's awesome. So with, uh, sorry, with Cash App, you basically, you know, we, we, we call stacking stats or whatever you want yep. to call it. You're just buying a certain amount. Is that, are those Bitcoins on the Cash App uh, wallet? Like, is that non-custodial or how does that work? Full, no, fully custodial. Like, yeah, the wallet is in, the wallet is in Cash App. Like, so if you're, yeah, Cash App is, um, it's just a peer-to-peer, like, pay your friends thing. And, but it, but it can also act as bank account now. So if you don't, if, again, pretty US centric, but if you're, if you don't have a bank account, cash app can be your bank account. It has checking numbers. It has routing numbers. And so just sign up for that. And, and what's awesome about it, what's, what is truly awesome about it is it, it feels like a bank to me. Like cash app is by square by square publicly traded company in the United States. And they have three things. They're a bank account. They sell stocks and they sell Bitcoin. That's it. And then you send Bitcoin or cash back and forth to other people. Like that's it. I'm actually insanely jealous because I hear about Cash App, especially Tales from the Crypt. They talk about it a little time. I'm like, I can't use I it. I'm not go in to, the US. If, if you're in Canada, if you're in Canada, go to Bull Bitcoin. Yeah, Canada, Bull Bitcoin. Um, a new UK one just popped up on my Twitter the other day, but I'm but I don't have the name off the top of my head. But there's an auto. There's another um, dollar cost averaging app in the UK. Yeah, there are actually quite a few. So I think Faris will shoot out a weekly email with uh, our updated list of uh, where to buy Bitcoin, KYC and, and non-KYC. So yeah. Brian, once again, really appreciate your time. Um, we definitely have to have you back on. We'd love to uh, talk about some other stuff outside of Bitcoin. Um, do you want to plug yourself one more time? Your websites, Twitter, we'll link yeah. everything in the description. And um, if someone is interested in surplus, surplus Bitcoin, what should they do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Go to surplusbitcoin.com and email me. My public email is there. Surplusbitcoin.com, brian at surplusbitcoin.com. BrianHarrington.org has links to all my social media. You can find me on Twitter, Brian Harrington. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Awesome, guys. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Thanks for watching or listening please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.